Episode Lucky 13. Today is a very special episode in which we discuss the merits of electoral politics. Also, Byron and I will talk about the recent police shootings in Chicago. My name is Brandon Peyton Carrillo, and I think we should get started right now. Hey, Byron, how you doing? I'm doing great. Awesome. Well, we'll see how great you're doing after our conversation today, because we're going to talk about electoralism. Ooh, the, the, white, uh, the, 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 the proverbial uh, elephant in the room of the left. Exactly. Whether to do it, whether not to do it, and if you're going to do it, how do you do how? it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's a big question um, that's kind of it, it kind of in, in every single uh, debate. Like when, once you start talking about politics, it, it inevitably goes to whether or not to do like, participate in elections or not. I know myself personally, and I'm just gonna lay lay down the gauntlet. I'm in favor of electoral participation, but I'm also very careful about how to participate in the process. I think that in order to have a full-fledged march towards full communism, you have to be able to attack the state and be able to attack the state. Electoralism is one of the tools you have at your disposal. It's not the only thing. And I think people on the left, you screw yourself by just thinking, oh, I win elections, you know, game over. It's one of many things you have to use in your toolbox in order to win. And um, I think it's important. All right. Uh, I am of the opposite opinion. I think uh, in the end of the day, it is not uh, a good way to bring about socialism, Um and mainly because of my anarchist leanings, um, if anything, it's actually very corruptive towards the movement and will not end well. So, so, so we have our positions. We have our positions. So do you want to explain a little bit more about uh, your side before I go on my whole anti-electoralism rant? <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. So most people in America, most working class folks, when they – have they view their participation in democracy or in their society, it always comes down to the vote in elections. And I think for us as leftists, myself, I consider myself libertarian, socialist, this is one place where you can meet people where they're at, where you can promote your ideas 
and possibly get people organizing on your side for your values. Win, lose, or draw, if you mount a strong campaign, you're promoting some of the basic tenets of our values, and thus it may encourage people to dig further. And you're pushing that gooey center, I don't know what the fuck I really believe in, but I think I love America masses towards the left. And as the momentum keeps building, and as your position possibly gain power, and are effective in bringing about the change that they've communicated, that helps further solidify your movement to the left, and society's movement to the left. And that's what I think is the chief benefit of participating in electoral politics. Now, again, that's not the only thing you do, but you should do it because of that. Well, I, um, again, uh, am of the opposite opinion. Um, when it comes to kind of utilitarian uses of elections, um, I do agree, like, there is there is a little bit of, of a use using elections kind of as a bully pulpit to just, like, propagate ideas because it's like, oh, it's like, the, the, like every four years people suddenly give a shit and then they stop giving a shit afterwards. And that's a, kind of a good time to, like, kind of go in. Um, I mean, that's literally what the Zapatistas did in, in the last uh, Mexican election. Um, they had a presidential candidate who literally was like, no, nah, I don't plan to win. I just plan to, like, propagate ideas and tell everyone to, like, and tell everyone how like the government sucks um but like when it comes to like the actual winning of seats um inevitably you're gonna win a few seats um it's kind of what's happening with dsa right now where you know um you know we got uh lee carter um in virginia we uh we have uh ocasio cortez in new york um probably most likely but there's a good chance we're gonna get salazar again in, in new york state senate um, and you know, all throughout the state, uh, and, and all, the, all throughout the country, and like, yeah, it, it, those are like good, like cool. I mean, you, you won, but like now the question is like, that's going to fundamentally change things because now it's not about like gaining power. Because at first it was about gaining power, and that, and for the two through that, you're already got to compromise a lot. I mean, you, you see Ocasio Cortez, like whenever she talks about democratic socialism, it's she's basically talking about social democracy. She never talks about, um, like seizing the means of production like salazar does but that's because she's a lower level and she can probably get away with that kind of stuff uh but because of the conventional wisdom of like oh you need to pivot towards the center um even if you're running a primary even if even if your primary was basically a slam dunk and it's a not competitive race at all it will never be a competitive race you'll still see people pivot towards the center it's really weird but that's just how it, it has a very moderating effect um so there's that issue. But then once you're in power, the question becomes, I need to stay in power. Um, I need to keep my seat, which means you need to keep moderating, keep compromising, basically lose any rad any sort of radicalism you have. I mean this is literally what happened to the uh, Social Democratic Party of Germany. Um, like they were – they kept getting seats and then eventually like they became so like moderate that like they killed Rosa Luxemburg and like allied with the far right. Uh, after World War One, um, you know it, what happened here in the U.S. Like the 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 congressional arm of the social of the Socialist Party was incredibly moderate. Um, 
like yeah, they voted against the war, but they were shitting on ev- literally everything else. They were definitely like to like to the far right of the party. Um, so there is kind of um, evidence to show that you know, kind of fucking around with the state um, and trying to seize state power through elections um, does has a very moderating, very corrupting influence on organizations a- as a whole. So I mean, and that, that's that's why I'm kind of like into like just not really bothering with the whole thing. Okay. Uh, but yeah, yeah. But, but that's my position. But but I, I am willing to compromise on one thing. Yes. Um, if like for example, DSA um, is gonna like go and like you know fuck around with elections. At the very least, like I, I, please, comrades, at least make it like so, uh, to like people who are can at least be somewhat held accountable who are literally like solely reliant on DSA and just the, the amount of uh, like um, power they have, rather than like just fucking endorsing whatever random fucking liberal just comes around and just calls himself like a democratic socialist. Uh, say like 30 minutes before uh, they go in front of uh, a giant group of uh, DSA members in New York and say, oh, I'm a democratic socialist um, for the, since the past 30 minutes. Uh, please give me all your uh, – uh, please give me a bunch of money and free labor. You know, like that's probably not a good idea. Yeah. OK. I get your point. And you, you make a couple points – in there that I think are very valid. Um, I think, and not necessarily that this will strengthen your point, but I think it will, this is a pushback that will allow you to kind of strengthen and fortify your position. So once upon a time, I ran a political campaign. I was a campaign manager for a, a candidate who was running for alderman in Atlanta, their first district. And what I learned through the process was when you are out campaigning, you only have two, if not three issues to run on. And you have to make sure that those two, three issues that you run on are very concise and to the point and easily digestible. And I think from what us hardcore lefties want, that is in itself a very moderating factor, and it has nothing to do necessarily with ideology or trying to appeal to the squishy middle as much as communication. So if we look at AOC's race, we'll look at Bernie Sanders' race, there's essentially three things. All right, you got like Medicare for all, working classes being screwed, and we need to go after the big banks or whatnot. That alone, without proper context and with people maybe not having the space to learn more about this ideology, what is democratic socialism, and actually get into the weeds on it, it's very easy to say yes. That's very moderated. It's easy to say that Bernie Sanders is a you know a New Deal Democrat and. You know, AOC is, you know, just completely talks about social democracy. But the purpose, the thing of it is, when you're running a campaign, you can only run really on slogans. And the boorish, very academic, boring, well, you know, I think, really, when we talk about this issue, blah, blah, people are going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Get out of here. What is this, you know, you're talking about surplus value, you know, and all that shit. Get out, get out of here. Get the fuck out of here. 
and it's not relevant to their lives. So you have to moderate. Um, I will say another point that when we're getting into electoralism, that needs to kind of be addressed as from when we're in a leftist perspective. All right. You kind of alluded to Cynthia Nixon. I don't know if she's, you know, being cynical and making a hard move for some DSA help or if she had these beliefs and considered herself thus one and realized, oh, shit, this is the time I really need to come out as one. I don't know. So in those situations, I think you're correct. And we need to be prudent as a movement to um, really see what they're about. Now, her platform is pretty, you know, democratic, socialist friendly. But um, it's ultimately up to those activists, their, you know, their own judgment, whether she's the real deal or not. And maybe if there is some type of benefit, if she becomes to, to power and, and gets a seat, I think she's better than Cuomo. And, you know, if you're into electoral politics, she moves the needle leftward over Cuomo. We just hope she doesn't get bought off by the same powers that make Cuomo Cuomo. So those are my thoughts. But I think in some ways, taking those into account with your in your argument that, you know, it could actually strengthen it a bit. Yeah, I mean, and, and and again on the Cynthia Nixon um, whole thing, um, like the the issue there is that like uh, again, like I said, like she literally just tweeted out, "Oh, I'm a Democratic Socialist." Like thirty minutes before meeting New York, uh, the New York chapter, a uh, New York City chapter, um, and like she's already done some like really weirdly anti-worker stuff. Like there was this whole thing about the. Uh, I think it was MTA union. Um, I might be wrong, but it's some like a very anti-union like stance. Um, and then like she was forced to kind of like backtrack. But the fact that like she said that to begin with as her starting position kind of says a lot. And the fact is like she's not like DSA isn't the only thing. I mean, it's it's a governor uh, gubernatorial race. So it's like a fuck ton of different organizations throughout the state of New York, which is pretty big. I mean, New York City's big, but so is the rest of the state. Yeah. Um, and I even if all the D, all the DSA chapters in uh, New York uh, State like participate and like help out, like it, it, there's still going to be like a drop in a bucket compared to like literally everyone else. I'm not saying don't vote for Cynthia Nixon. No, if I was in New York, I would vote for Cynthia Nixon. I don't like elections, but I'll, I still believe in like damage like damage control. But um, I personally believe when a DSA chapter endorses a candidate, it's, it's a difference between like endorsing a candidate and just putting them on your voter guide. Like putting them on a voter guide is like one thing. But endorsing it means like, OK, we're going to raise money. We're going to volunteer. We're going to like knock on doors for the for this candidate, like a serious commitment. It's, it's like it's a promise basically that we are going to help you um, beyond just like, oh, vote for this person. Um and that's really where, like, especially like for example, here in Orange County, we have very limited capacity. Where, um, like, 250 members, um, uh, mainly a core of 30, um, like trying to cover 34 cities. So, like, it, it's a lot. And, and in yeah. New York City, I mean, it's like also a very big city. But again, they have to cover a lot of area, um, a lot of multiple boroughs. Mm-hmm. Um, and like again, that's a commitment. Like it, it, doing this means you probably won't be able to do all like uh, doing other stuff. Um, that's just reality. Like if if you're knocking on doors, you're may, like that person who's knocking on doors. Maybe you won't be able to do 
um, you know, like tail light clinics or other like, like direct action mutual aid stuff. Um, because they're too busy, like knocking on doors, and that's a serious commitment. Like I've I've done canvassing. It's like by the end of the day, your fucking feet hurt, like your your throat is a little sore. Some talk to people, um, and like you're you're not gonna be able to do much uh, the day the day after. Like you're you're kind of you need you need time to recover. Um, and that's really like the commitment these like people are gonna make when you vote uh, when your when your chapter votes is like okay, are are we gonna make this promise to this candidate we're going to help them and if we are like are we sure that they're actually going to follow fucking through and not just like moderate immediately afterwards you know mm-hmm. and, and, and that's ultimately the the the, the problem that, that i personally see at least in this topic like, we can talk about uh the use of elections all we want till the end of the day but i i'm infinitely more um bothered and concerned about like whether or not it's a good use of, of our very limited resources. Fair enough. And I agree with you on that. You have to be a very balanced organization to take on electoralism and mutual aid projects and other kind of aid the people, you know, things. You have to really be aware of your human capital, if you will. Um, no, I, I 100% agree with you. I think there's still value with it, but, you know, there's also, you can't bite off anything bigger than you can chew. New York and the New York DSA chapter, yeah, they're going to have to deal with what they can do in New York City. Trying to go out into, you know, the rest of the state, that's, they don't have the capacity to do that, nor should they. You know, so it's about striking that balance, I guess. Is that something yeah. we can agree on, Byron? Yes, yes. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, I think we, um, I think we did both did we did. Um, I think we both did justice to our arguments. Um, hopefully, there's people on Twitter they'll bitch and moan and say something about one side over the other side or what we forgot, and we encourage that. So. Thank you, Byron. Thank you, Brandon. shooting in chicago um do you want to give us like what happened who like who got shot like what's what's going on all right so this past saturday um in the south shore neighborhood of chicago which is on the chicago south side um a gentleman named harith augustus who was a barber and he's 37 years old he got into altercation with the chicago police it got shot in the back and died. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, and because South Shore is a rather organized neighborhood, 
um, within hours, the community came out and protested, and the police kind of came out in droves in response to this protest. Um, if you watch some of the viral videos of the protest, you can see the Chicago cops acting like the Chicago cops always do, where they pull out their batons to beat the fuck out of people, pushing them and um, dragging a few folks to the ground um, as they were, the protesters, were shouting shame. It was really bad. It was really bad. So now because the mayor and the police chief kind of learned a lesson about we shouldn't set on these videos, they produced the body cam video. And the body cam footage is essentially, it shows Harith just kind of hanging out on the street, talking to the cop, the, the future shooter, his future murderer. And um, all of a sudden, because they see that he has a weapon, two other cops kind of come in and rush him. And in response to being rushed, Harith runs. And as he's running, he gets shot in the back, and um, he dies in the street. He's a father of a, a young daughter, and now she has no father. Oh, shit. Yeah. Wait, so so the body cam footage shows he had a gun. Like, did he have a concealed carry license? Because no, I think Illinois does have concealed carry. Correct, and from what I understand, he did have a license to carry this weapon. Oh, okay. So, so they shot him for illegally carrying a gun. Okay. Exactly. And in um, the initial uh, paperwork, it they said they stopped him because he appeared to have a weapon. So, oh, okay. yeah, it's it's kind of weird. Like you stop somebody who, because they appear to have acted in a manner in which they had a weapon in a state where it's legal to have that weapon. And he gets shot and killed for that. What that basically tells me is people of color can't have weapons. Oh, yeah. That's always been the case. Yeah. <laughs> the Second Amendment is not for you. <laughs> or me. <laughs> not at all. And all our Asian listeners, that means you too. Um, but it's... Uh, Only for the pink skins. <laughs> exactly. I can see how the city of Chicago, they're trying to get around it by, okay, we're going to release this video quickly. We're going to zoom in so people can see the gun. We're going to try to win this in the media. But, but uh, there's, there's no audio on the footage. <laughs> exactly. Because we don't know what she said to him. And quite frankly, I haven't confirmed this on my own, but earlier in the day, I was on 68th and uh, Stony Island, which is about five blocks away from where the shooting is was you, you live in Chicago. So this is like your city, right? Exactly. I was on Stony Island in 68th near the Stony Island Arts Bank. And there was a kind of heavy set blonde police officer. She had three individuals, young black males, hands down on the front of the cop vehicle. Now she appears to be the same woman in the video that Harris Augustus got shot in. I don't know if that's her. I'm not going to, you know, speculate too much. But what I can say, that evening, the cops were out on force. They were actively out, I say, fucking with people. 
those guys didn't get arrested, but they here they are in front of their friends and families out in the street with their hands on a police vehicle, just being publicly shamed. And within moments, because that was about 5 o'clock, Harris Augustus got shot at 5.30 p.m. This oh, shit. So it's a, it's a weird, weird dynamic or feeling because, you know, here I am. I'm in the neighborhood right there. Normally, the distance between Hyde Park and South Shore is one in which, you know, everything you probably need, if you're in Hyde Park, you're in Hyde Park. And you kind of stay there unless you need to, you know, explore out, get out, do some things. Um, and I just happened to be in the neighborhood when he got shot. And um, I don't know what's going to come of all the protests that's happening. But um, it's ongoing as we speak. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have seen the videos. Um, so you were also at the protest, right? I stopped by briefly. I saw it. I wasn't, uh, you know, protesting. But you had a lot of um, various organizations there in attendance. Um, there was a group of people who were against the Cop Academy that um, Mayor Rahm Emanuel liked to build in Chicago to get more cops on the street. And obviously, if you got this problem with one or two cops, you add a bunch more cops to the picture, you're not actually solving the problem. So they had a big contingent at the protest. The protesters didn't focus on just on Mr. Augustus, but they spoke of um, Laquan McDonald, and various other black and brown men who were gunned down by police. So, so has, so like, has the city ever actually convicted any police shooters? Um, to my knowledge, no. Um, obviously, if there's somebody that's out there and they're Chicago residents, and they can say, well, actually, this case they did actually convict. And held the police accountable. You know, I'm I'm open to being wrong, and I I hope that I'm wrong. But in my brief time of living in Chicago, which has been over two years, I have not seen any cops held accountable for shooting a person. Uh, well, uh, yeah, it's it's really just fucking terrifying just to know that like. I mean, police can literally fucking kill you, like, in the street and have footage. Um, literally shoot you in the fucking back, and they'll just get away with it. Because they're literally... Because, tr- again, like, the, people just don't keep forgetting this, but, like, police are trained to be fearful of everyone, of everything. Um, that's literally part of the training. Like, shoot first and ask questions later, if you have to. Because, of course, the, the thing is they, they want the cops to be alive and not the, the people they're arresting or killing. Exactly. Oh, damn. Yeah, well, this is, uh, the, the, the protests are still ongoing. Um, they're not going to stop for a while, probably. And, and knowing Chicago, like, they're probably going to be another police shooting, uh, you know, eventually. I mean, these things usually come in groups. Um, and it's, they're, they're going to get worse. Um, because they always do. Um, so yeah, th- thank you so much for uh, for giving us information on this. Thank you so much for for tell just being there and and kind of knowing uh, what I don't fucking know. 
uh, we'll uh, we'll talk again later. Anytime. Thank you. Uh, so we reached the end of another episode. You can follow us on Twitter at movement underscore color or support us at patreon.com backslash movement of color. My name is Brandon Payton Cudrio. Till later, adios. The movement of color.